This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by SeedsHereNow.com. With Crypto Wednesdays, James Bean's Vault, and Easy Peasy Credit Card Checkout, you cannot go wrong with SeedsHereNow.com. Here we go. Welcome to the show, podcast world. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff. This is episode 752 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. I've got a great show lined up for you. Before we get to the main topic, let's do a few shout outs to a few of the kind folks who continue to support the show on Patreon. Let's kick it off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast. Thank you. Shout out to Stoned Trout Bum. Let's send a big thank you. Shout out to my buddy All Mixed Up. I want to send a big thank you. Shout out to The Larf Night Rises. Let's send a big fist bump and a thank you shout out to Route 305. Let's send a big thank you shout out to my buddy Operation High Vibes. I want to send a big thank you shout out to Randy Farms. Let's send a thank you shout out to a longtime supporter, my buddy Godfather Kush. Big thank you shout out to Noah N. Let's send a big thank you shout out to ADHD Grower. I want to send a thank you shout out to OG Roach and the Devil's Weed. Let's send a big thank you shout out to Jay Dutch. Then let's wrap it all up with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to Growing Tennessee. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need will be right there on the screen. And you know I do include that link in the show notes and in the video description to make it nice and easy for everyone to support the show. I want to start off by sending a big shout out to my friend who um, allegedly possibly sent me or made some lemon Jeffrey concentrates that has got me, um, I don't even know the word, I'm a little bit goofy, I'm like dodging shit that's not coming at me over here, uh, I, I'm high as shit from that lemon Jeffrey, bro, if you made the lemon Jeffrey concentrates that somehow landed in my rig a few minutes ago, that shit is effective, bro, good good job. Where do we go from there? The greenhouse. If you've been following along, you know that I'm doing a breeding project in a greenhouse. I was at the greenhouse today and guess what? Everything looks good. Not a lot to report. Things are growing. Things are in veg. They're getting big. They're growing quickly. Uh, I'm always amazed at the outdoor growth. I'm not there every single day. So when I do go, it looks like they've grown uh, astronomically since the last time I was there. They grow so fast outdoors compared to the indoors. Uh, Double or triple as fast outdoors is what I think. Uh, But they're looking good. They're going strong. Not a lot to report, but everything looks good in the greenhouse breeding project. Stay tuned in future episodes. I will talk more about what plants I've got going on out there. Of course, we did put the Jack the Ripper mail outside, so that's what we'll be dumping pollen this year. I love doing the teases about the greenhouse and keeping you updated. Not a lot to report. Stay tuned. There will be more in the future. All right, the next order of business. I look forward to seeing you at the DGC Growers Cup. That's right, Saturday, July 30th at a location just outside of Colorado Springs. Team Irie Genetics will be at the DGC Growers Cup. I hope to see you there. The Cup is going to be a great event. It is a consumption-friendly event. We will be there uh, consuming cannabis, making friends, shaking hands, uh, having a good time. There is a small competition happening. A bunch of people have entered some flowers into a competition. Everybody who attends is a judge. If you attend the Dude Grows Cup, uh, the DGC Growers Cup, you get to be a judge in the flower competition. You get a one, you get 
get a lighter. You get to taste all of the entries and you get to vote on what the best flower at the event is. So show up, come taste some good herb, come hang out. There will also be a plethora of great seed breeders vending their seeds at the event. So we do look forward to seeing you at the Dude Grows Cup. For tickets, deets, and links, make sure you do check out dudegrows.com for all of the information on the DGC Growers Cup. There's a big tab right on the front page. You cannot miss it. Come join us. It is going to be a great time. All right, I've been rambling long enough. Let's jump into the email portion of this podcast. I've got a bunch of emails stacked up here on the table. This one comes from our friend Mark. This question is a recap. Uh, In a previous episode, somebody did ask me if I think that the male plants or the female plants know about each other in the other rooms. They asked if I notice a difference in the female plants if I have a male in the other room, or if I notice a difference in the male plants if I have a female in the other room. I said I've noticed uh, visible differences, but I didn't have any real scientific background. Our friend Mark updated me. He said, I have an update. Thank you for the update, bro. It says, I watched a documentary called The Magic Plant, and it said the terpenes come from the sun and they are the sex hormones for the plant. So it sounds plausible, I guess. Anyway, take care and thank you for everything you do. Uh, Those terpenes do have a lot of purposes. The terps put off a lot of aromas. Think about when you smell food or when you smell uh, candy or when you smell flowers or when you smell a pretty lady or maybe you smell a pretty dude. You go, that smells nice. I want some of that. Maybe the cannabis plants are doing the same thing to each other. Maybe that lady plant is over there going, limonene, limonene, and that male plant's going, I need some limonene. We don't know exactly what they're saying because we can't speak their plant language, but it sounds like you're onto something. Uh, maybe those terps act like pheromones. Maybe the plants have pheromones that we haven't, uh, that I haven't learned about yet, but it does make good sense to me. Those terps are doing a lot to me. They make me want to smoke it, so maybe they're making the plants want to mate with each other. And I can smell the terps in the other room. That is for sure. So it does make good sense. My dude, Mark, thank you for the great update. I do appreciate it. If anybody else out there has any updates, of course, the email address is growfromyourheartathotmail.com. Don't be shy. Reach out. I love generating. I love creating listener-generated content. That's what I'm trying to say. I am pre-reading this next message while I'm talking. All right, this next message comes from a good friend and a Patreon supporter. Big shout out to my friend, Girls Grow Too. This message goes a little bit like this. It says, when is it too late to save a plant? That is a very, very good question. When is it too late to save a plant? When do you give up? When do you try to fix it? What is that boundary? Where is that borderline where you say, fuck it and throw in the towel? How hard do you actually try on a plant? And also, is it one plant? Is it several plants? That kind of makes a big difference here. But there's more to the message. It says, if the plant is very sick, is there a way, a product, et cetera, that would save it? Let's just say newt lockout uh, or over hot or stunted growth. Okay. Um, It kind of depends on how bad the plant is, first of all. It kind of depends on how bad I need the plant, honestly. Um, It depends on how far along the plant is. Honestly, it depends on is it the personal grow or the commercial grow? Is it life or death or is it a breeding project that's kind of just for fun? I've got the honor, the privilege, the blessing to be able to, if I'm growing a crop and I'm not happy with the way it looks, I can scrap it. And it's not going to ruin me financially. I talked in a previous episode about a commercial grow. If they were to scrap one grow too far in, then that could ruin them. That could ruin the commercial grow, which would fire everybody in that facility. I'm just recapping. That'd fire a lot of people. So 
in a personal grow, I've got maybe, maybe hypothetically, somebody's got one light and that's just going to be maybe a pound of herb, maybe two pounds. Maybe it's just a few ounces. That's when I start making decisions. Like, do I really need this crop or do I really need this crop? Or would it be less of a headache just to cut this shit down and start over again? So there are a lot of determining factors in my uh, strategies here. In a commercial grow, we don't, I don't cut enough clones and have enough plants to have enough of a backup strategy. I'm on a tight schedule. I'm on a tight plant count. So I'm going to do a lot to try to save every single plant that I can in a commercial environment. Also, in a commercial grow, my panic button is much shorter. My panic fuse is much shorter than it would be in a private grow. In my home grow, like I said, I can lose a personal crop. You guys might not get some seeds. Mike might not get some weed for a couple of weeks, but we could lose a personal crop. Nobody's going to go bankrupt. Nobody's going to have to file any paperwork. No one needs to look for a new job. Uh, if I do kill a crop at this rate, uh, I may need to look for a new job by then, but nobody's going to get fired. Nothing too crazy is going to go wrong. In a commercial grow, I can't let it get that bad before I start taking drastic measures to correct things. Luckily, in a commercial grow, I've got all the technology. I've got all the meters. I got anything I could imagine to help me figure out what is going on. Also, I've got a really good network of friends. People think I'm like the Wizard of Oz of growing. I oftentimes, when you guys ask me grow questions, I've just got a team of friends that I know that I can say, hey, bro, why this or why this? I'm willing to admit that I am not the light guy. I don't know anything about grow lights. When it comes to lumens and frequencies and all that stuff, I my brain simply does not care. I would love to learn about lights. My brain and my ADD does not want to learn about lights. When it comes to outdoor growing, I simply don't do a lot of outdoor growing. I rock a greenhouse. Uh, this will be my second year growing in a greenhouse. That's not outdoor growing. Uh, it's close. It's greenhouse growing. But when you ask me greenhouse growing questions, I call Jesse. Or when you ask me outdoor growing questions, I call Jesse. I go, hey, bro, somebody asked me this. He tells me something. I parrot that shit back to you on the show. I'm not the Wizard of Oz. But luckily, I've got a big team. I've got people that I can call. There are other consultants that I work with that they call me too. They're like, hey, bro, I've got this weird fucking thing going on in my grow. Can you help me? And I'll take a look and I'll go, oh, it's because of that. And so we just do each other favors, just call each other back and forth. So my panic button, what I'm getting at is I've got a lot more resources in the commercial grow. So I will do a lot more in the commercial grow to keep those plants alive, to rescue them, to save them. And I don't let them get too far fucked up before I really start taking drastic measures. And the personal grow, I might go, ah, there's some yellowing. I might want to up the nitrogen the next time I feed it. If I see yellowing in the commercial grow, I'm going and telling everybody, bro, the next time we feed up the nitrogen, pay a lot of attention. Like there's a meeting about it. There's a lot of shit to be done. We're making sure that that nitrogen gets added the next time we might foliar feed. Like I don't let it get too far. It is time to take action. Uh, in the commercial grows, we're running uh, cocoa with perlite, which is basically hydro. So the minute you feed, you're going to start seeing reactions. I mean, not necessarily the minute, but I mean, you're going to see some shit change. So in hydro, it can go really quickly. So in a commercial grow, uh, I really, uh, it's, I try really hard not to let them get to that panic mode, but I will try to pull them out. We've had a pretty bad mite infestation. One of the things that I talk about, one of my goals, uh, one of the things I pitch myself as is, I'm able to help get rid of bugs and problems and turn a problematic grow around. So I've been hired to take over grows that were infested with spider mites, grows that were infested with powdery mildew. And I almost have more fun turning a grow around than walking into a grow that's doing well and just keeping it going or making it better. I like a good fucking, it sounds, maybe it's because I've been growing for so long and it's more of a 
It's more fun to me. I like a nice challenging grow, a grow that's got spider mites and powdery mildew and got nine bad employees. That's a great grow for me to walk into because I can cure spider mites. I can cure powdery mildew and I can get rid of nine bad employees and get five badass people to rock that facility. So it's kind of a fun thing. I like fixing things. So I don't, I like being in the weeds. So I don't throw shit away. I don't give up. My, there's, uh, it sounds crazy. Maybe I've grown so much weed that it's like, I can do that. Sure. We can do that. We can turn rooms and cut down a crop and have that room running tomorrow in flower again. We don't never missed 12 hours of a day in that room with plants. It was fucking, I can do that. So now it's more fun for me to try to go into those rooms that are problematic and kind of start in the weeds. Like I said, it's more fun to dig myself out of a hole and then try to fix that and then give myself so many crops to have this goal, uh, buy five crops out of this facility. We'll be kicking out this much product and we'll get this much THC percentage and we'll get uh, this much concentrate percentage and we'll get this much customer retention. And I try to work on those sorts of things. So I almost have fun pulling myself out of the weeds. A lot of it is just having, knowing if you've got the resources, can you repair the problem? Knowing that you've got the time, can you invest the time? Or is it going to be, how far back is that problem going to set you? Is it going to set you two weeks back? Would it be easier just to cut new clones, get them going? Maybe that is easier. Let me focus. You said newt lock. Um, nutrient lockout, depending on when, if it's like, it's usually going to happen right as you switch. That usually happens when you go from veg into the flowering stage. Your transition phase is going to suck, but your stretch phase is going to suck. Your plants are going to look like shit, but you haven't started getting bud set yet. So you've got a newt lockout and you've still got like six weeks to go. You've, you figured it out at like day 10 of flower. It started showing signs by 14. You're ready to make corrections. I would mix up a solid batch of nutrients that you know is correct. A good base nutrient, uh, some good microbes in there, put your calcium, your magnesium, your phosphorus, uh, potassium, molybdenum, get all the good shit that you need in there. All the basics, a perfectly balanced meal, perfectly pH'd at the perfect DC, and then feed that to those plants on that day. And that's, I would start correcting it from that day. Now you've got six or seven more weeks to go before that plant's even done. You're going to transition out of that shit phase where it's looking like it's been beat up. It's going to take about a week. Then you're going to get a bunch of new growth. Then you're going to get bud set and you're going to get buds. You haven't even started developing buds yet to do any damage to them. So why not just keep pushing on through? If that newt lock happens later on when you start adding the bloom boosters, at that point, you're fucking six weeks in. Just push on through and finish the buds. Once you're like four or five weeks past, a lot of people might just cut it down. Once you're four or five weeks into flower, a lot of people may consider cutting it down if they've got spider mites or a nutrient lockout. But you're so close to the finish line. Why not just push through it? You may not get the outcome that you wanted. You may not get the product that you wanted, the weight, the yield, the potency, the flavor, the dank photos but you're going to get a learning experience, push on through and have something to show for your work. I wouldn't give up. Um, if you're in flower, keep going. That's, I never, I would never want to just give up and cut my losses. If I've made it all the way to the flowering phase, you've done veg work. Uh, you, you've takes a lot of work to get up to that phase. So I always try to fix them. I, I, and I keep saying it, I really enjoy trying to fix the plants. It's really easy to grow herb for me. I, why not try to, to fix these problems and pull my way out of it? So if you got newt lock, I would try to fix that. That's only going to set you back two weeks. Uh, if you were going to pull a pound, maybe you're only going to pull 14, 13, 12 ounces. Now you're still going to have product. Don't give up. Some is better than none. Um, the next example was over hot and stunted growth, uh, over hot. Let's talk about too much heat. Uh, as soon as you change the temperature, they'll start growing back. They're going to be tall and skinny and lanky and kind of pissed off. But as soon as you correct the temperature, 
they'll start growing back. Unless you meant over hot by too much food, which um, depending on how bad you roasted them, you may be able to recover them. Feed them a normal diet, uh, dial back the nutrients, they may recover from that as well. The other one is stunted growth. If they look super pissed off, if you're embarrassed about it and you just want to start over, sometimes you just have that feeling inside. You're like, fuck these plants. If you feel fuck these plants, then just cut them down and start over because you're never going to give them the love and care that they deserve because you've already got that that fuck these plants feeling in your heart and you're not going to change that. You might try to convince yourself that you're going to take care of them and pull them through, but once your heart and your brain decide, man, fuck these plants, it, that they know it too. The plants heard you say that. The plants felt you say that. And so that is the point when I would just kind of cut them down, give up at that point. I have never lost a commercial crop. I've never cut down an entire commercial crop and given up. I've had commercial crops that were uh, not up to the standards that I would like them to be. They definitely did not get posted to Instagram. There were no pictures, but I've never cut down an entire crop in a commercial grow and given up. I have cut down crops in my private grow uh, because we discovered that the whole back corner, <clears throat> excuse me, we I did cut down an entire crop in my private grow one time because Mike and I discovered that the back corner, uh, it was winter time. And this one back corner at the exterior part of the house, uh, that whole corner, I said whole corner, excuse me for that, that entire corner got powdery mildew. There were some big beefy plants back there, but we noticed the powdery mildew along the back wall. The buds were late into flower. I wasn't experienced and knowledgeable, uh, as knowledgeable as I am now to know what to have done about it. So we just went and cut down all those plants. I knew that um, they weren't healthy. They weren't safe. They weren't any good. So I just cut all those down because there was so much powdery mildew that treating them, spraying them, cleaning them up still would not have made me happy. I would have felt gross about that. Um, I was uh, working as a caregiver. I was growing for uh, medical cannabis patients and I was I really thought about a couple of those people. I thought about my friend, Doug. I thought about what if I give Doug or Mike some herb that's covered in powdery mildew and we smoke it and one of us or all three of us get sick, I'm going to feel like a shithead. My job, my goal as a cannabis grower, as a caregiver is to make people feel better and heal them, not to give them a lung infection or a sinus problem or whatever the fuck else that powdery mildew could have caused. So I did cut down, um, I think I cut down 90% of that crop. Maybe we saved a few of the plants that were up in the front, but I do remember cutting down all the shit in the back. There were uh, white rhino plants with buds the size of footballs, and we were really sad to cut that shit down. But sometimes you got to cut your losses. So 90% of the time, I would push on through. I would, just because it's rewarding. Um, I do know that our friend Girls Grow Too has military experience, and you know that feeling of like, uh, I, I said the example, being in the weeds and fucking pulling through. I know you've got that that rewarding feeling inside of you of that accomplishment because you're a soldier. We've talked about things like that. I know that you've got that feeling. That shit feels good when you're like, ah, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. And then at week 10, you cut some shit down and you've got usable, smokable, tangible, enjoyable product. It may not be cannabis cup winning herb. It may not be trophy weed, but you got something. And without a struggle, uh, maybe it wasn't as enjoyable and you had to learn something. Maybe it's better to learn how to fight spider mites now than it is way later on when you think you've got, when your grow is flowing, when it's humming, you got more expensive genetics, you got more expensive lights, and then you get mites. Maybe it's good now to find that sort of shit out when you're beginning or maybe when you're newer, and then you can learn how to fight that shit. So when is it too late to save a plant? That's really up to you. That is really up to you. Um, if it's covered, if it's got webs on it, it, it might be time just to go. If it's got spider mite webs, it might be time just to cut that shit down. 
Um, if it's got powdery mildew, it might be time to cut that shit down. Um, most of the other things we can usually, usually get rid of now. Now I know how to get rid of powdery mildew. Now I know how to get rid of spider mites. Uh, prevention is key. Uh, use, use that feeling inside of, ah, oh, fuck, I want to give up to remind you of like, how did I get here? Maybe that's a good thing to touch on. How did I get to this point? If your plant is sick enough or new locked out or over hot or stunted or has bugs or mildew badly enough to where you're thinking I might want to cut this down. Think of that as like, how did I get here? What kind of, was it neglect? Was it laziness? Was it uh, ignorance? Was it miseducation? Was it lack of uh, communication with the team? Maybe you got somebody else helping you. Was it lack of communication, communication with a partner? What happened? Why did we get powdery mildew and spider mites to the level where I've got to cut down all of these plants? Think about that then uh, see how you can prevent that from happening in future grows because we definitely don't want to deal with the problem twice. But if you get that fuck these plants feeling, that is basically the only time that I would really cut them down. And sometimes I've had that like, ugh, ugh, not fuck these plants, but ah, with these plants. You know, it's borderline. And I've pulled those crops through. Those did survive. Um, not every crop has been beautiful, but I've had some that have made me uh, want to grab my dreads and just start yanking. So when is it too late to save a plant? That is really up to your level of patience. How badly do you want to learn? How bad do you need the medicine? If you're in veg and you can tell like two or three weeks in that that shit just isn't going to work, go ahead and cut it down. I always talk about last winter or two winters ago, the pandemic really fucked up my scheduling. I have no idea what year it is and how long it's been anymore. I felt like it was Tuesday for two years, so I'm kind of fucked up on timing. But at some point in life, I decided to switch from uh, HPS, high-pressure sodium lights, to LED lighting. And when I did, uh, the plants looked like total shit. And honestly, a few weeks into flower, I just went in and cut them all the fuck down and started over because they were not going to do anything good from what I was seeing from those plants. Nothing good was going to come out of that room. I was going to have a headache. I was going to have a struggle. I was going to have tall, shitty plants that were getting burnt by the light that were never going to meet my goals. So like week three, I just said, fuck it. And I cut every single one of those plants down about 25 days into flower chopped them all up. Yeah. Mike was really heartbroken over that, but it, for me, it was like, uh, I can do better than this. And, uh, what I did was I learned how to grow under LEDs. I made some adjustments and I pulled through and I did it better the next time. So, uh, that's, a, that is two crops, I guess that I've cu uh, cut down, uh, the powdery mildew crop and the failed LED crop are crops that I cut down just cause I wasn't happy. I was frustrated, but that is up to you. How bad do you need the herb? How frustrated are you? How much do you want to learn? Uh, do you have an opportunity to get more plants? Do you have a backup plan? That is something I may keep in mind. All right, Girls Grow too. I feel like I rambled on and on about that question. I hope I helped you out. I hope I gave you some useful advice. It's all about your level of frustration. What will you accept? How far will you take it? All right, Girls Grow too. Thank you once again for the great message. I have got time for one more quick email before we wrap this up. This one came from our friend... Uh, oh, this one came from my buddy JH. What's up, JH? You do send me a lot of messages. Uh, I apologize that I don't answer all of them, bro. You send, uh, JH, I get more messages from you than I do all day long from everybody else combined. That's why when you wonder why I don't answer every one of them, nothing personal, but just send a lot of them, buddy. Keep them coming because you do send a lot of great content. I do pull some great messages out of there. Uh, there is some gold in all that mud. This one, I'm just picking on you, bro. I got nothing but love for you. This one goes like this. It says, hey, Rasta Jeff, longtime listener, first time caller here. It says, when you're growing a small crop in a four by four tent or maybe a five by five tent, 
What size pots do you go with? That is a really good, really universal, really common question. It does go on. It says, would reducing my pot size from a three gallon to a two gallon pot help reduce stretch? Do you use fabric or plastic pots? Is one superior to the other? This is a great line of questioning. I do like this. Shout out to you, JH. Um, when I'm growing a small crop in a four by four or a five by five, what size pots do I go with? That depends on my goal. Um, if I am running new plants and just running new shit and trying to take some pictures and see what we just made, I may do one or two gallon pots. Sometimes I may do uh, beer cups. I may do a... Now, honestly, we are limited to uh, plant counts here in Colorado. So in a personal grow, uh, that's going to be way different. We'll touch on that as the as the uh, the theories and the ideas of this progress. Keep in mind, in a commercial grow, I can run as many plants as I want in a commercial grow. If you're in a home grow, follow the legal limits, follow the rules there. That is quite often what determines how many plants I put where is legal limits and things. So if I were to do a four by four and I was to put a bunch of beer cups in there, I may consider putting like a hundred beer cups in there. Maybe put like 10 rows of 10 and just space them out just a little bit. But I'm limited to plant count, so I wouldn't do that here in Colorado. We'll segue into what I would do here. Uh, maybe you would do a bunch of one-gallon pots, and you could probably fit, um, I'm going to guess you could probably fit 10 or 12 of those in a 5x5. Five five. So I would just say 10x10. 10 10. There you go, 100 again. You're just taking up some of that cup space. Maybe it's only eight of those. But I would do uh, maybe that's 64 one-gallon pots in there. And that crams them in real tight. Then we're only vegging to about 10 or 12 inches tall and then flowering and getting just getting in and getting out really quick. So maybe you would do like 16 one-gallon pots and just have them in there real tight. Maybe you could do 25 one-gallon pots. I'm not sure how tight that would fit in there. I can't visualize it. I think I could see five one-gallon pots across that five by five or four by four. Uh, so you got 25 of them in there. But a more practical application that we would run in a tent and a five by five, maybe you could do uh, nine, 12, maybe 15, maybe 16 three-gallon pots. Depends on how tightly you want to pack them in there. If you're going to veg for a short time, put more pots in there. If you're going to veg for a long time, put less pots in there. Something that I frequently do is nine three-gallon pots in a five-by-five. That works beautifully for me. That gives the plants enough space. Uh, it lets me grow them up to about my knee high. Then I flower them. They finish at just the right height. So nine three-gallon pots is quite often a very good, very successful grow. Or if you're more limited on plant count, four seven-gallon pots is beautiful in a five-by-five. I like to do four seven-gallon pots in a trellis net and pull them all down. Or if you want to run a perpetual grow in a five-by-five environment, I recommend four seven-gallon pots and you put one in every two weeks and take one out every two weeks. So you've got one that's in there at two weeks, one that's in there at four weeks, one that's in there at six, one that's in there at eight, and then hopefully you got a cultivar that finishes right at eight weeks, and you can just rotate every two weeks. You take a plant out, harvest it, put a new plant in there, and put it into flower. Four seven-gallon pots work beautifully in that five-by-five. That is probably what I would do uh, running a small crop in a four-by-four. You're probably looking at like a whole bunch of one-gallon pots. I'm guessing you could probably do like 10 of them across this one gallon pots are little, uh, the ones I'm thinking about, you could probably fit 10 across. That's like a hundred of those. If you really wanted to cram them in there, if you want some space, maybe do 64, uh, and then start working up to three gallon pots where you're doing like maybe, maybe 12, maybe 16, maybe nine. It just depends on how big the plants and how much space you want to have. 
If the plants are bigger, you need more space, of course. If the plants are smaller, you don't need as much uh, space for them to grow. That does segue me into the next part. Would reducing my pot size from three gallon to two gallon help reduce stretch? No, I believe it would do uh, kind of the opposite. I believe that the plants, um, they know how wide their pot is. And you'll notice that the plants generally, unless you do some manipulating, they don't branch out much wider than the size of your pot. If you get keep your plant in a two gallon pot, that's only, what's this, eight, 10 inches around. I'm a drummer. That's I'm going to say that's 10 inches around. If you keep your plant in a 10 inch around pot, the root base only gets 10 inches. If you look up that plant, it only spread out about 10 inches. Maybe those bottom branches where it got real far, maybe they went 14, 18 inches, but not much further than that 10 inch base. Then if you put that plant in a wider pot, you'll notice it will widen out. That is because it knows it's like, um, I don't know. It's sort of a gravity thing. Maybe it just knows that if I get, I can't get too wide because my feet aren't big enough to hold me up. I'm six, five. Maybe that's why I wear size 13 shoes. Need that bigger pot for that bigger plant. That is my theory. That is just my theory and my experience. They get wider when you put them in a wider pot. So, um, they'll stretch up more if you put them in a skinnier pot. Also, you're probably going to put them closer together when they get all close together like that. They don't like to grow, uh, out. They like to grow up. Somebody recently asked me uh, why plants would get angry if I put them too close together, why they would get stretchy. They're just angry. Uh, they're, they can't grow out the way that they want to. They got to grow up. They get stretchy trying to get to the light because the light's not penetrating because they're so close together. They're just mad. They want to grow out, but they can't. So they just grow up to fight for the light. There is more. Uh, do you use fabric pots or plastic pots? In a commercial environment, I use three-gallon fabric pots with 70% uh, cocoa and 30% perlite with two drip emitters per pot. Each drip emitter comes from a different reservoir, so I can feed two different feeds during the day if I want to. Um, lots of different controls, so I can mix up a reservoir. Reservoir A will have one feed, and Res A will have, uh, Res B will have another feed, so that I can feed one part throughout the day, and then right before they go to bed, I can feed them with another thing if I so choose to, or I can just run clean water through one if we decide to clean them out. So in the commercial environment, uh, fabric, three gallon fabric pots, 70% cocoa, 30% perlite, two drip emitters running from two different reservoirs. So we could feed two different nutrient solutions, uh, and the home grow, I switch it up all the fucking time. Honestly, um, currently using the tall five gallon plastic pots. Um, during the, the pandy shit was hard to get and those were what was available. So that's what I grabbed from my local grow store. I am very, uh, versatile, very flexible. I can work with what I've got. Um, I'd like to have some shit, but, uh, those were the pots that were there. So that's what I grabbed. Uh, is one superior to the other? Uh, no, it's all about your goal, all about your intent, all about your purpose. They both have pros and cons. Um, the one thing I don't like about the fabric pots is if you don't get them full and don't pack them up, right, the water will kind of run out of the sides. But also I like that you can't overwater them because the water will run out of the side. So pros and cons there. My friend JH, I think I answered your question, at least this one. I've got a lot more from you. Please don't get offended that I am not answering your, uh, is that a deluge of questions? That might be what that is. Dude, I got nothing but love and respect for you. Thank you. If anybody else out there has any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, you know that I would love to hear from you. The email address, once again, is hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Reach out. Let me know what you think of the show. Ask me those cultivation questions. You know I do love creating listener-generated content. Also, don't forget about the Patreon campaign at patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. Support the show if you felt like the show was entertaining. If I made you laugh, if I saved your garden, patreon.com forward slash grow from 
your heart. Everything else is on my website at iriegenetics.com. Check out iriegenetics.com for links to uh, the Irie Direct Seeds, the merch. You can grab yourself a t-shirt, a grinder, a rolling tray. I will be restocking new merch very soon. The things do take quite a while to ship, but check out the website. Uh, there's a link to the Discord server, a link to the beans, a link to the merch. Anything you could possibly need is on the website. Once again, iriegenetics.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, pimps and hoes, friends and foes, smokers, growers, clone cutters, and pollen chuckers, all of you beautiful cannabis enthusiasts out there, I do want to thank you once again for listening to episode 752 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. I really had a good time rambling out this episode. Thanks again for hanging out. You know, I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a big shout out to my buddy Billy Podunk. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me. <laughs>